1: and a warm welcome to you from us here at AusBiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, a stock of the day, and I've got two experts joining me over the course of the next hour. Really looking forward to it. Uh, no doubt there will be some zingers, a couple dad jokes maybe too in here, considering I've got Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Said with love, guys. I know it's a busy time of year, plenty of reports to get through. Today, you know, kind of marks the real the real time, then the rubber hits the road when we've got some of these bigger companies coming through. What do you make of it so far, Andrew?
0: Yeah. Hi, Nadine. Welcome back. Um, well, since I've, it's the first time I've spoken to you since you've been back. Um, so far, uh, so good. Uh, seems to be going along okay that CBA result market seems to be taking it um, pretty well uh, Mark a little unhappy that Suncorp was uh, a bit mean on the dividend but look overall I, it's early days but it seems to be going okay I think everyone's a bit cautious with all those interest rates what the impact on the consumer is and we'll talk about that in a moment but yeah, generally early start I think it's okay
1: okay Henry quick thought from you
2: um, I'm with Andrew. It's pretty solid so far. Uh, the CBA result was very solid. Good dividends. Suncorp a little bit underwhelming, as you would expect, given the uncertainty with the C and the ANZ deal. Uh, the James Hardy result yesterday was a pretty much uh, spectacular result. So that was good. Um, so yeah, pretty good. It's really early days though, Nadine, as they say.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: Lots of water
1: well look we'll true. get to some of that in the next little bit shouldn't we i think we've got a couple yeah. stocks here that we'll discuss that are relevant to reporting season in the first half of the program MPOL seven sky city entertainment Setire, and oceana healthcare that's an interesting one um, but as we do let's get to <laughs> the stock of the day one of the big takeaways from the cba result today is the close attention the bank is paying to a waning of consumer discretionary spending so the ceo Matt common saying we are closely monitoring the impact of the consumer discretionary pullback and spend so you could be forgiven by thinking that today's stock of the day is cba it is not but it is related i've picked la visa why well because macquarie has given it a very hefty downgrade today to neutral from outperform, so the rating slashed, and it's also slashed its price target by 38% to $22. They say that caution is warranted, even though it is trading below its pre-COVID sales multiple at a discount to that, I should say, they are saying that you've got to be cautious. They say that weakening consumer sentiment at home and overseas Will pressure sales into fiscal 2024. Um, you know it's trading at about 19 times two-year forward earnings compared with the 24 times prior to the uh, pandemic. But clearly, a cautionary note being sounded by the team at Macquarie. So here's the thing, guys. LaVisa has consistently been rated as you know buy from many market analysts, even though we've seen a lot of changing sentiment toward the other retailers, you know, saying that LaVisa's got this store rollout, it's got exposure to the global market, their little treats, I don't have mine in today, but you know, little things that people will still spend money on even during an economic downturn. Um, But this note from Macquarie throws a bit of cold water on that. Henry, LaVisa, buy, hold or sell?
2: Um, well, I was quite keen on LaVisa and I'd say this is a hold after that downgrade, I've got to say. Um, I was scratching my head, I've got to say. I-, I read the report and the report has a wonderful picture of a LaVisa store at a lunchtime on a Friday. Now, I don't know about you, but my uh, typical La Visa customer is not out and about the lunchtime on Pitt Street on a Friday. Uh, they're more out and about at the weekend. Nadine, you you would obviously be far more expert than me in terms of uh, young girls and La Visa products, and even uh, somewhat um, older uh, people in La Visa stores as well. So you probably have more of a, a handle on this one, but. 35 bucks to 22 bucks was their downgrade. I've got to say, I don't know where they plucked the 35 bucks from uh, back in April. Uh, that does seem a little bit jousting sticks to me and a little bit dreaming, to say the least. And, and really, their argument is that consumer spending is slowing down. Well, duh, we know that. And having a picture of an empty store on a Friday lunchtime to back up your research uh, in uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, actually, no, it was in QVB store. Uh, after lunch on Friday the 16th of June. Not a single person in there. Um, so uh, yeah that's obviously part of it. I think this one for me is still a hold. I think you know we know that the consumer is slowing down we've seen that but Matt Common this morning was alert but not alarmed that's for sure. And we have seen uh, other retailers suggesting that as well but we saw you know Maya's uh, results uh, or preview results guidance was pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a problem with this one here. I think Macquarie's is jumping at shadows a bit, I'm sure I'm gonna end up with egg on my face, but a picture of an empty store at the QVB on a Friday lunchtime does not make an investment thesis. Maybe investors and watchers of the program should go out and have a look at their own LaVisa store and see what's happening.
1: Okay, Um, I got one for you on that, Henry, my local shopping center. My daughter went in on Sunday. She loves LaVisa stuff, she didn't buy anything. I was shocked, she had her own money. So maybe that had something to do with it, but she went in and came out because she didn't wanna spend her money now. Could be wow. just a story of one, but anyhow. Yeah. Andrew, oh,
2: well, there, there, there you go. you got to extrapolate those busy. sorts of... Um, wasn't
1: busy. Wasn't yeah, busy either. Uh, There's a okay. one pretty close to our office here. I was out yesterday, walked by. I think there was one person in it. I mean, again, you know, uh, who, who shops at La Visa yep. in the middle of a work day. But, but the point is, Andrew, is that we've seen a lot of downgrades coming from a, lo- a lot of other retailers. Uh, Myers' share price was hit particularly hard yesterday, down another three and a quarter percent. You know, there's a lot of nervousness out there about consumers. If you've got to pay your mortgage and your variable rate is going to go up to about a 5% fixed rate, round about there, I mean, you've got to pull back on spending something. So what will you be looking for in this result come uh, Thursday, the 24th of August from LaVisa that would give you confidence in this story going forward?
0: If I can just take it back a couple of steps, Um, I guess the key thing, you're right, like the average uh, family household is now spending $400 a week after tax income servicing debt. So the money is going to come from somewhere and, you know, pulling back on your gym memberships on your Netflix, you'll have visas, sure. Uh, To the the Macquarie note, I agree with Henry, you know, going from 35 back to where are they, 20-odd, you know, why were they at 35 to begin with? The consensus is 25 bucks, and here we are at the moment around 21. So arguably there's still some upside. Um, My 26 years in doing this, Nadine, hard to believe, I know. Um, The share market is a 12- to 18-month forward-looking beast, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out the consumer is under pressure. I think the job now is to figure out when they'll start coming under less pressure. In other words, when will interest rates top out, so, uh, stabilise and then actually start coming back off the boil. And to, to the answer to that question for me is probably another nine, 12 months. So consumers might be under a little bit of pressure for a wee bit longer, but uh, there's actually opportunity in this sector if you're willing to look through the noise I don't think it's a buy yet. Um, it's absolutely a pretty solid hold. Dangerous buying any company coming into profit reporting season. But I'm, I'm pretty interested in this one. And I agree with Henry. I think Macquarie has gone uh, too cautious too early on this one. Uh, any weakness over the next couple of weeks, in particular, on that result, and it's definitely one I'm interested in. In particular, 90% return on shareholders' funds and management buying stock I'm interested, but it is a hold.
1: Yeah, got it. Um, look, it's a really interesting one. And yeah, a lot of the conversations that I've been having with folks is about, you know, when do you start stepping into beaten down retailers? But you're saying strategically, both of you, just give me the thumbs up, that you would wait for this result to come through. Um, Thursday, the 24th, not long to wait. So even though it might look as if it's a bargain today, you might be able to get it on sale further. Got it. Two thumbs. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm gonna be cheeky, because I know know. CBA was the natural pick for stock of the day. Buy, hold, sell, stock of the day, uh, if it was CBA, Andrew?
0: Uh, It's a hold, it's fully priced, Nadine. It's very expensive. It's a quality business, but paying 15% above consensus for quality, um it's it's yeah. a hold it's very hard to say sell but it's definitely not a buy and
1: that's why i didn't pick it as stock of the day because most of us own it in some way shape or form and i'm told over and over that it's rare for people to to really sell it so would you buy hold or sell cba off the back of this result today that's what this uh, shows about
2: exactly yeah. hold. hold for, for it. me it's a hold. pretty solid result the machine cranks up the money it just keeps rolling on
1: Oh, I love to be proved right. Okay, let's go with these companies <laughs> nominated by our our viewers. Um, Raj. Thanks, Raj. is a regular viewer, I hope you're having a good day out there. Ampol, ALD. Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you.
0: Ampol, sorry, you just dropped out there. It sounded like Andrew. I heard an A and then you dropped. Yeah, so A, A, A.
1: Mean. Andrew, that's you.
0: A for Andrew, A for Ampol, it was meant to be. Um, Look, it's it's not actually a bad business. A PE of 12 times is certainly not demanding. Uh, 1,800 locations, 3 million customers a week. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and, you know, pretty significant revenue going through the business. I note that consensus has uh, the price target down over the last three months. You always get a bit nervous coming into profit reporting season when ConsenSys uh, has things coming off the boil. Um, but if you look at its performance over the last three and five years, it's, it's been okay. Um, but to me, it's probably a hold at these levels, even though it's consumer, it's arguably more consumer staples, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to fuel up your car. Um. But, yeah, look, on on balance, I'm probably a hold. Probably the only thing that would make me look a little bit closer at it is that management, both the chair and the CEO, have been adding to their holdings over the last 12 months. And, again, that's a good leading indicator. Management and the board are buying it. You know, that's uh, putting their money where their mouth is. But, look, on balance, fully priced, it's a hold.
1: Okay, um, okay, fully priced, uh, a little bit of defensiveness in there. Um, they res- report on the 21st of August, Morgan Stanley says that it's looking for signs of recovery for Lytton refinery margins, along with an improving mix of high value pro- project, uh, products I should say with Lytton with Litton back online after a recent outage. So Henry, um, buy, hold, sell, and today do you think it's a defensive business or will it be subject to any sort of a downturn in the broader economy as well? Um,
2: I think well it is a defensive business let's face it as Andrew says we can't uh, get away from filling up your car the long-term risk of course is for electric vehicles and uh, that side of things in terms of um, you know ampol not supplying the fuel and the refinery etc the refining margins can be quite volatile. Um, but it's got a good yield. It's not trading on an undemanding PE. Uh, it's 100% franked in terms of the yield. It's, it's definitely a hold here. Uh, it'd be good to see those refining profits continue. Uh, but they are getting a bit more normal uh, this year than they have been in previous years. So it, it is a hold, not the most exciting business in the world. Bear in mind, this is the old Caltex. Um, yeah. For those playing at home, I'm more familiar probably with Ampol originally because it's an old name, but then it became Caltex and now back to Ampol. But um yeah, I don't mind this one at all. Uh, jet fuel as well, uh, doing well. Lots of uh, demand for travel and jet fuel, which is premium product. Uh, that seems to be going well as well. So yeah, no, no problems with this one. Hold, good yield, relatively cheap PE. Hard to find the excitement and the sizzle. But then maybe you don't want excitement and sizzle, Nadine. I don't know. Maybe that's not what you want in your life.
1: Oh, I got enough uh, sizzle in my life, Henry. But uh, <laughs> okay, so we'll call this a hold from both of my guests and Paul. I mean, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how EVs and the rise of, which yeah. is finally taking hold here in Australia, does um, get digested by these companies. So I dare say that we'll also be looking for in the results some sort of a, you know, reference strategically to how uh, how they will um, take advantage of uh, that transition that's going on. Okay, let's get on. Oh, go ahead, Andrew.
0: Sorry, um, I just didn't want to interrupt you. The US experience is people actually spending more in uh, convenience centers because they're gonna stay longer yeah, right. at these mm-hmm. EV charging stations and they're buying higher margin uh, food or drink or whatever. So arguably EVs is a big opportunity.
1: Yeah, uh, every change should be looked upon as an opportunity, you would think, by management of uh, any stripes. Listen to me. I'm going to get back on track. Let's get you to get the back. next company on the list. I think you guys are rubbing off on me or something. Anyway, seven. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, Adam has actually picked this one. Apparently, it's the second stock picked by him. But um, yeah, not not sure what the other one is. So seven... Uh, What do you think? Seven Group Holdings, not Seven West Media, Seven Group Holdings. Henry, go first.
2: Uh, Me first. Okay. Um, Seven Group Holdings. Yes, don't mind this one. It's uh, obviously Kerry Stokes backed. They've got the big shareholding in Boral, Beach Petroleum and uh, Seven West Media. That's obviously Probably the, the 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 problem child out of the three. But given the results we saw the other day out of Caterpillar, their exposure to West Track um, and the mining sector as well, uh, I don't see a problem with this one. If it's good enough for Kerry, it's good enough for me. It's not got an undemanding P around 12 times, so that's not too bad. Um, and you know, we've seen with um, we've seen with James Hardy yesterday. Now, the building products, if you've got pricing power and there's few alternatives, you can do very well. Uh, of course, Borel is in their statement, and that has done very well. And that continues to push a little bit higher. So I don't mind 7 Group. I have to say it's 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 becoming a bit West Farmer like in some respects, and it's becoming a bit of a conglomerate, uh, whereas it used to be very focused on uh, you know the West Track and the Caterpillar business. Now it's a lot more diversified and it is becoming that conglomerate. But yes, it's definitely a hold for me for seven group good gearing to global economic growth, I guess through the, uh, the West Track business.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, so let's get a view from Andrew. I wonder how Seven, if they will add any sort of clean energy, clean technology into that conglomerate portfolio that they're building. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to speak with Ryan Stokes to ask him, um, but from an investment perspective, you know, today, like that's fundamentally uh, what the program is about. Would you be, would you be buying seven? Would you be holding it, um, or would you be waiting again for the result to make any such decision?
0: Oh, Nadine, it's not a comedy routine for Henry and I. I I'm sure that's what we signed up for, anyway. Um, I, uh, I think it's buy. I, bye. Uh, I. I really like it and Henry has absolutely nailed it where this is sort of uh, another Wes Farmers or or Wes Farmers in the making, whereby it's uh, an industrial conglomerate. There's lots of moving parts, uh, opportunistic as they were with Borel. Um, I really like it. The PE is undemanding, strong forecast earnings per share growth. Uh, I like uh, the fact that uh, Kerry Stokes owns a fair bit of it. There's actually some potential upside with Seven West Media, they own about 41% of that. I'm actually pretty upbeat on the economy for 2024. And uh, if we are correct, and there's a bit of an upturn, therefore media or marketing spend will go up, therefore media will also benefit. So uh, no, this is a a quality business. It's not cheap. I wanna be clear about that. It's not a bargain basement buy, but you're getting a quality business at 12 times earnings relative to the broader market at 17 times. Um, it's growing by about 17% per annum total return. So this is a buy.
1: Got it. And Henry, you were a hold, just to, just to clarify on that, were you?
2: I was. I was a hold. I'm Mr. Floppy today, I'm afraid, being <laughs> oh. at the moment.
1: OK, leave that one there. We will uh, see if we can get something else out of you as this progresses. What about Sky City Entertainment? So this is for Julian. Julian, thank you for writing in. Um, also, just remember that this is information only. This is not personal financial advice. Um, but Sky City, Andrew, um, what do you think?
0: Uh, look A little underwhelmed, Nadine. Um, a lot underwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> arguably, 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 gaming is defensive. or well, not arguably, it is defensive. But if you think about all the gaming companies at the moment, and in particular, quite rightly so, they're under the spectre of anti-money laundering or AML um, investigations, or ensuring they've got so strong compliance. Uh, this is something that so they're focused on. SC, SKC is in Adelaide, of course. Mm-hmm. I hadn't followed it that closely. And, you know, when I did the deep dive, and again, that's one of the reasons I like doing the show, apart from yours and Henry's company, of course, is you get to look at companies that you don't necessarily pay a heap of attention to normally. And so a little amber light started flashing for me when I saw they were running an online casino in Malta. I said, right, that's a bit of an amber flashing light. The AML issues in South Australia, there's your second amber light. And then the trio of amber lights was a 7% return on equity. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. It's not a a sell because, again, of that defensive nature. And there's certainly good parts of the business. The New Zealand business is going along okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm just underwhelmed on this one, so it's a hold.
1: Okay, it's not getting Andrew excited, but Henry, um, to Andrew's point, there has been a resurgence in tourism into New Zealand, um, because it has Adelaide, it has Auckland, I think, as well. And we're told that people still continue to gamble through recessions also. I mean, would you be putting your money into Sky City?
2: No. Is the answer? Um, I, th- I think there's too many uh, potential issues, and we've seen it with Star City, haven't we? We saw it with Crown. Uh, casinos are uh, an interesting business; that they they tend to uh, take money off the punters, and there are lots of Aus-track, uh issues at play, compliance issues at play. There's lots of socioeconomic issues, ESG issues. This one doesn't trade that much either here. 68,000 shares traded this morning in this one. So it's it's not uh, that well followed here, to be honest. Uh, I can't see too many reasons why I'd want to be here. There are a number of issues hanging over their heads at the moment uh with some of the um the Oztrack issues in adelaide there's an independent review happening there as well I-, I can't see any reason to be long casinos in a softening economy with compliance issues Oztrack, etc they just not sure where the upside is. I mean, there may be a lot more tourists going to Auckland, but yeah,
1: that's okay. Relative. If you had it, sometimes our our viewers give us context, which we love. Can't demand yeah. it, obviously. Um, but if Julian was already in Sky City, would you hold it?
2: Uh, there's probably no reason if you've got it to. to- tip it out. It's it's a relatively good business. It just doesn't have a lot of sizzle, to be honest. It's got a relatively okay yield, so you might be holding it for that. But I'm not sure that we're going to see a burst of tourism into Adelaide or Auckland that's going to lift it. And there are regulatory issues, compliance issues, I think mm-hmm. that could okay. trip it up. And uh, you know, if Star City's in trouble, then Sky City's not far behind in lots of respects
1: all right well thanks guys still looking for some sizzle in henry's book let's see if we can deliver um i don't know if the next company is going to <laughs> deliver it um i've had to google it um because i don't know really anything about it but um it is in you know what is it it's sort of doctor's offices is it
2: are we talking uh, OCA? oca
1: healthcare. yeah oca
2: yeah, it's uh, the, the reason you have to Google it, Nadine, is that it just doesn't trade. Yeah. Um,
1: there,
2: there's one. Uh, there must be a, a bit of a New Zealand bias to the the uh, the, the, the questions at the coming moment.
1: through. Yeah, because that's what I was just looking. I mean, this is all New Zealand.
2: Yeah, it's all New Zealand. There's one share has traded today. Really Oof. and truly, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. You know, I don't think this is one for sizzle. Uh, you know, if if you wanted to buy a few, you'd be in trouble. Uh, It just, um, it doesn't really (laughs) bloat my boat, I must admit. Okay, Um, we're going to give
1: that a quick uh, miss, Oceana Healthcare.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's a $500 million company, though, which is, you know, crazy. And there is research on it. I mean, Macquarie's got research on it, but um, I I think you probably need to look at the New Zealand uh, market for the the volume. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's hard to be interested in a stock that trades one share in a day. Mm-hmm.
1: Andrew, anything, anything to add?
0: Just briefly, the return on equity is only 1%. Uh, so that's sort of a no to me immediately. But if we sort of take it back a step and maybe just think about age care as a, as a thematic or as a, as a mega trend, we've got an aging population, all the, uh, the baby boomers are retiring. Hi, mum um not that I'm trying to pension mum off by any stretch of the imagination but equally so as the baby boomers are maturing, they're going to, they're living longer, they're going to need more support. The government is quite rightly saying that there needs to be more nursing staff, et cetera, on on staff, as there should be, but that comes at a cost and that comes at margin pressure. So even though it may make sense as a thematic aged care, I think from a financial model point of view, it's pretty hard to defend. So be it this one or any other company in that space can't get excited over it.
1: Okay, we're giving this one a miss. Uh, I actually skipped ahead. My apologies, guys. Sorry to confuse you. Yeah, my notes were not good. Sorry, uh, satire. So this again (laughs) is going back to the consumer discretionary space, but it's operating in a very different end of the market than LaVisa, clearly. So this is online luxury marketplace. Uh, This is for Guy. So it is growing market share, and this is a growing market. And luxury goods providers have performed pretty well, you know, even through the COVID experience, you know, even through economic downturns. So does that help inform your narrative around satire, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I was listening to a really interesting podcast this morning, and I'm sure you don't want me to promote the competition, so I won't. Um, but it was basically talking about how you can break uh, consumers into sort of two parts, uh, and one part is what they call the new economic order whereby they've got high uh, discretionary spending and they tend to spend at a greater velocity for the want of a better term compared to the other 50 odd percent, you know, the average bear. And these new economic orders, the NEOs are really attracted to things like luxury goods. And so again, you know, we have looking at that chart there, that sort of fits quite nicely into the narrative for this company. Uh, they've got 370,000 active customers and around 60% of their revenue is actually generated by these customers coming back. Um, they ha- also, um, CTT are also sitting on about $39 million of net cash. So they're in the right space, they're growing sales, customers love them, keep coming back. The thing that I can't, why I won't recommend as a buyable is actually two. One is that it's trading at sixty time, 68 times earnings, so relative to the market at 21. And the other thing is that the founder, Dean Mintz, Uh, He's got around, I just had that in front of me, sorry, he's got around 40 odd percent of the business. So from a corporate appeal point of view, hard for uh, institutional investors to get set, despite the fact that it's a billion dollar company, because the founders got so many shares. So probably want to see that um, share, the share register open up a little bit more and certainly on a price point of view, 68 times earnings, even though they're in the right space. It's pretty uh, nosebleed territory. So it's a hold, but it's done pretty well.
1: Yeah. Interesting though, because the founder does hold a lot of shares still, but was criticized for- selling down, you know, can't, can't keep everyone happy, I suppose. Henry, what about you, Satire? There was a little bit of um, nervousness around this one because of some of the opaqueness around, uh, you know, what's going on with the founder and how they're running the business and how you can continue to be supplied essentially with these luxury goods and sell for cheap, which is sort of anti, you know, it's the antithesis of the luxury model.
2: Yeah, Nadine, I was very surprised when you did the intro for the last stock. I thought we were going to be talking about satire then and the fact that you had to Google uh, it because (laughs) I would have thought you'd be be all across satire on $800 $800 (laughs) T-shirts. You know me, Henry, uh,
1: yeah. You've seen me on the weekend. Um, I'm not that tight. But anyways, go ahead.
2: I know, I know. You look at the technical uh, position of this one and it has been almost textbook. It ran from $1.75 to $3.50, almost Every day it was up, up and away. Now, I I did a little bit of analysis on this one, I have to say, and I, I look at the website and I can't work out who in their right mind pays $800 for a T-shirt with a name printed on it. It just... It's just it, it just seems ridiculous, but anyway, and we're, here we are talking about these luxury goods. I think there was a, a recent uh, problem with one of the luxury good makers or providers in Sydney uh, with some forged handbags and some stuff like that. And I'm not suggesting that satire falls into that, but it is a bit buyer beware. Uh, and as Andrew says, I'm still struggling why uh, these big fashion houses, these big names sell uh, products or give satire the ability to sell products at discount prices now. Its competitor, if you want to call it a competitor, is a thing called Farfetch, which is listed in the U.S. Uh, and if you do a valuation on the, the, well, if you look at the comparison between the two, Farfetch is a far more, uh, well, far cheaper uh, way of getting into this sector, and it's 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 very much focused on the U.S., same as Satire is. Um, Textbook wise, looking at the charts, it's come off from $3.50 to $2.84. It's trying to form a base and it looks like it wants to go a bit higher. But long term, I'd still struggle to get my head around this. It's expensive, as Andrew says. It is at the, you know, it's beholden to these manufacturers of luxury goods to use it as the channel. Uh, There has been some rumors and talk in the past about maybe a tie up between Farfetch and uh, Satire, Satire's major. Proportion of its business is in the U.S. Uh, they're the only ones dumb enough to pay 800 bucks for a T-shirt. Uh, so um, not for me, but I can see why it could have a bounce from 280 back to say maybe 320 again. Um, but I, I just yeah, it's it's too it's too speculative even for me. The hot copper crowd would be all over this. The chartist guys would be all over this. And from a charting point of view, it looks like it wants to bounce. But from a head point of view, I think it's expensive and I would uh, go elsewhere.
1: Okay so would you even sell take some profits if you've made them?
2: if, you, if you've been holding it from $1. $.75 uh, yeah I think uh, it's probably if you do see a squirt higher then you should take some profits in this one because you know the business model to me seems you know it's a moment in time kind of business model at some stage something will happen and these big, luxury retailers will say, you know what, guys, we're not gonna supply you with Mm -hmm. uh, those t-shirts, handbags or whatever anymore. We are going to go direct. I don't know why they don't, but there you go. I guess it's a factory outlet.
1: Okay, so there you go. That's satire from Henry Jennings and Andrew Whiteland. Let's just take a pause, rewind to the top of the program to just review quickly (laughs) what we've learned. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting one. So stock of the day was Visa. Uh, La Visa, it's uh, too cautious, too early, so says uh, Andrew about this note coming from Macquarie. It is a hold. He does see opportunity in the sector, uh, but too dangerous to buy now before the result on the 24th. It's a hold for Henry as well. He thinks that Macquarie's gone really hot and hard on this one. But again, there is cautiousness. Around their consumer discretionary space. And these guys, you know, they they can see the writing on the wall just as well as everyone else. And just for the record, CBA, if it was the stock of the day, would have been a hold for both of the guests. Okay, let's get to Ampol. That is also a hold. Look, it's a solid business in Andrew's view, though fully priced. And uh, yeah, Henry is looking for Sizzle. This doesn't have it, but it does have some defensive qualities. Seven, well, Andrew really likes it. It's a buy from him. He sees it as growing into be another West Farmers like conglomerate, although. Not quite cheap, it's quality in Henry's view, but he would be holding, he wouldn't be buying it right now. Sky City, a hold for both of our guests. Henry says, perhaps you're holding it for a yield if you're already in it, there's likely a reason. It's a hold for Andrew because it does have some defensive characteristics, but neither one of them are very very, uh, impressed by it. I'll do satire, you just heard what the guys had to say, too expensive, hold for Andrew, sell if you've made money on it for Henry, too specky for him. And uh, the last one was Oceana Healthcare. Apologies to Julian, I think this one was for you, but uh, just doesn't trade. And um, both of our guests would give it a miss. Return on equity about 1%, one share traded today that Henry could see here locally on the ASX. So it's a no from both of my guests. Okay, the investment committee, of which Henry Jennings is a part, recently met. Let's check in with what happened. We saw IMDEX replaced by AUB. Spent cash, 1% went into Seek, Altium, and ProMedicus. Okay. How's the performance going? Up by 6.8% on a cumulative return basis. So please keep sending in your requests. When we get two buys, which we have not come across today, we'll put that uh, to the committee for its consideration beginning of September that happens. Okay, well, we have the ETF guy here. So appropriately, I should have teased this off the top. We do have some ETFs to discuss next. So Venek, MSCI. Multi-Factor Emerging Markets, E-M-K-T. In fact, I just spoke with FedEx about this one, about emerging markets, I suppose, just uh, yesterday the day before. So keep your ear and eye out for that. We've got the iShares Europe ETF. Also, Tieto Minerals, James Hardy, of course, reporting season reported to start the week. And as well, Alpha HPA. That's another Google in my books. Uh, These guys could see it differently. Let's get right to it. And this is the sixth stock of the day picked by Lily. The VanEck MSCI Factor Emerging Markets. Okay, Andrew, over to you.
0: This rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, ETF guy, okay? Maybe, I, my, I was just getting some Gosh. shirts and t-shirts made with Whisper, but Whisperer, but maybe I need to you change You can still, still use guy. the Whisperer.
1: I just try to switch it up, you know, and you know, can't, can't always blow smoke, you know? There you go, Andrew. <laughs> the Whisperer on the EMKT ETF. <laughs>
0: Focus grasshopper. Uh, So emerging markets have had a pretty rough time of it over the last, I don't know, 18, 24 months and uh, vanek certainly uh, right at the forefront relating to as are a number of the other etf providers around china uh, espouse the importance of having emerging markets as a diversified portfolio so emerging markets as the name suggests it's not sort of your average oecd type but having said that you know china features pretty predominantly india Brazil, all those sort of countries. So the, the up-and-comers. Uh, Indonesia would be another one that comes to mind. The one where this is different to some of the other emerging markets ETFs is, as the name suggests, it's a multi-factor. So remember, fact, factors are determinants of share price in this particular case. It runs, um, Vanek runs a factor screen. It's looking for companies that are value, that are cheap, that are, have momentum, that are growing, uh, that are low size, that are small. And then of course, the uh, one factor to rule them all, quality, you know, uh, companies that have got strong return on equity, growing revenue and steady to falling debt. So they look across the emerging market universe, run those full screens, they come up with 249 companies. And if you actually have a look at how it's performed over the last five years, it's outperformed the index. Now, again, bear in mind, I said the index hasn't performed so well overall, but it's outperformed the index by that 30% by virtue of running these screens. So I like it. Um, And in particular, and I'm sure Vanek was saying this to you, Nadine, emerging markets probably going to start coming into their own weak US dollar uh, commodities are on the rise. That's a positive for emerging markets. So, if you're trying to get exposure to that thematic, this is a great ETF from which to do it. Um, so, it's a, it's a buy.
1: It's a, um, it's a buy. Henry, would you be looking for emerging markets exposure right now? I mean, across the front page of the thin, you know, deflation <laughs> possible in China spreading around uh, the Asian region, which is where a lot of these emerging markets, let's be honest, are, um, you know, yeah. add, add Brazil and India and, and stuff into the mix. I get it. But would you, you know, is this where you'd be looking to invest your dollars at this stage of the cycle?
2: Uh, Probably not, I must admit. This is really, you know, this is a managed fund dressed up as an ETF. It's a kind of a black box with those multi-factor screens in place. Its biggest holding is Taiwan Semiconductor, which has got uh, 4.3% in, followed by Posco, China Construction Bank, Kia, uh, and Tencent Holdings round out sort of the top five. So uh, that's where you're putting your money, to be honest. Um, It doesn't really float my boat. I don't know enough. About emerging markets to consider that as a theme of diversification I have enough struggles uh, with the ASX 200 and the Australian market to be honest and that that keeps me relatively happy as far as ETFs go if you like the theme yeah go for it there's nothing wrong with it they're a good quality uh, issue of neck, um, but um, I've really I can't see the emerging markets doing that flash, given that China is uh, slipping, sliding into deflation at the moment. Japan is tepid. Uh, the region seems to be suffering a little bit. I, I can't get excited about this one. It's, it's not a buy from me. If you got it and you like the theme, it's a hold. But otherwise, yeah, go play something else.
1: Okay, thank you. Let's get on to the next ETF that's on the list. And we do get a lot of questions about ETFs and this is for Owen. Hello, Owen. Hope you're watching or listening. This is the iShares Europe ETF, IEU. So there are a lot. And again, Andrew, you can tell us what makes this one up. But I was just having a chat today with a guest saying that there are a lot of really beaten down companies in Europe, you know, some of the top companies are are performing quite well and maybe priced well, but um, there are some, some value opportunities. So h- how do you view um, the components of this ETF and then give us a view on whether you'd be putting, you know, investment dollars there?
0: Yeah, so my learned friend, you know, quite rightly points out that China at 31% of emerging markets is certainly a risk. Uh, But if I was being difficult, which, as we know, is hard for me to be, but let's just pretend that I was. um, In this particular ETF, IEU, you've got uh, the UK, which is not exactly a pinnacle of financial health. It's 23 percent. You've got Germany in recession. It's 12 percent. And then you've got France that's actually starting to get its act back together. It's 18 percent. And then Switzerland, 15 percent. So... You know, to me, this is a really interesting pairing of ETFs, Uh, albeit Asia has got some issues, but I would take Asia every day of the week and twice on Sundays before I was looking at Europe, in particular, coming into a northern hemisphere winter, all the stuff that's going on at the moment with uh, Ukraine and also Russia. So that sort of sets the scene as to where I think Europe sits, as in, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd be cautious. Uh, In the context of the actual ETF itself, $777 million funds under management. So it's not an inconsequential sum of money. And certainly iShares or BlackRock, they're a quality issuer. So certainly no issues there. And interestingly, Nadine, 92% of the companies held within this ETF have a market capitalisation, how big they are, of over $10 billion. So we're talking the big names. You know, we're talking Nestle, we're talking ASML, we're talking Navaris, we're talking LVMH. So in the context of the quality of the issuer, the size of the fund, all that sort of stuff ticks all the boxes. Where I'm struggling is, is Europe where you want to have your money at the moment or are there other opportunities? So on the basis of it being Europe, I'm out. But for all other bases, you know, if you suddenly or Europe does start and when it does start to turn itself back around, this would be the number one way to look at it. But at the moment, I'm just a bit cool in Europe.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, What do you think, Henry, Europe?
0: Uh, Well, I'm going there soon.
2: Um, I have to say I'm going to argue with Andrew on this one. Because looking at it by a country basis, I think, is completely wrong on this one. Um, I think he's, he's got the wrong end of the stick. I think the important thing is to look at the companies. And these companies that it invests in as this ETF are global behemoths. Nestle is not a company in Europe. It's a, it's a company that is domiciled in Europe, but it is a global behemoth. Novartis, LVMH, uh, AstraZeneca, Roach, HSBC, these are, may be listed in Europe, may have their primary listing in Europe. They may be considered European companies, but these are global companies. These are companies that stride the world uh, and get their revenue from all over the place. You are betting or investing in some of the top global companies outside of the U.S. Shell, um, Novartis, these these are companies that are at the forefront. We always tend to ignore Europe here, and I, I think we do that at our peril to some extent. There's an awful lot happening in drug land at the moment, in the pharmacy stocks. We've seen uh, you know, weight loss drugs going nuts. Eli Lilly, uh, their results were out in the US. So th- there's plenty happening here. AI is supposed to really revolutionize uh, drug testing and drug trialing. I think you've got to forget the fact these are iShares Europe. These are global, this is global companies that happen to be based in Europe. Shell is not a European company it is a global company same as Nestle so I think you know if you like the thematics behind the stocks that are involved be they drugs oil and gas or consumer products like Nestle uh, then this one could fill uh, a void for you in your portfolio but I think we've got to stop putting them in the oh that's Switzerland or it's it's Belgium or it's whatever uh, that that is completely erroneous to the argument these are global companies big big behemoths. So, and, uh, buy, they... hold,
1: or sell, Henry?
2: Oh, I'm going to go buy. What the hell?
1: Well, I mean, serious question from Owen, but you would... You would... A
2: serious question? Yeah. Oh, well, I, you know, I think the drug space at the moment is a really interesting space, and given they've got Novartis, AstraZeneca, Roach, um, I think that is an interesting space to be in with the, these new drugs that are coming along. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be a sell. Um, it's probably, you know, it, it's it's a bit conservative because it is spread amongst a, a bunch of stocks and ETFs tend to diversify uh, your uh, your your leverage. And I to them, suppose but, uh, too
1: that when you're you, you're looking for global exposure, if you believe and you've got to do your own research, potentially get advice that you do want to have exposure to Europe. Yeah. You know. Andrew, I'm talking your book, like potentially rather than trying to pick the stocks yourself, the ETF could be the way to go. Andrew, what were you going to add? I saw your hand up.
0: Yeah, no, so just to answer your question, 100%. And again, to Henry's comments around the defensiveness, 18% financials, 15% healthcare and 12% stables. So it's a very defensive ETF as well, uh, just on the he- just on the healthcare space or the drug space, if I could uh, use that term. I agree entirely, but to me, if I'm going to play that thematic, I'd actually buy an ETF called wait for it, drug, drug, uh, <laughs> um, drug. You know, whereby you can get that real exposures not disagree with anything that Henry says at all and I sort of did the brain explosion uh Andrew emoji because I think that's the first time ever that he said bye and I've said no to an ETF Mm -hmm. in Mm now three years together so
1: I was feeling the sizzle coming in there I was feeling the sizzle so uh great to have it Henry (laughs) you were going to say something
0: I just
2: thought I'd shake it up a little bit but yes it's only been three years feels like longer I've been stuck
0: with you here for three years on, oh. on, on a, in our previous encounters it's been 10 years but here in this esteemed platform ah. that nadine gives us you've been stuck with us for three years
1: you guys are making me feel oh, old yeah. let's move on okay let's, let's get on. to the next on the list and that's uh tieto minerals so this is an operator t-i-e it's gonna say producer but i actually don't think Yes, it is. It's producing, Uh, but it's in West Africa. So in the Côte d'Ivoire, look, it's gold. Um, It's listed here in Australia, obviously, TIE is the ticker code. Andrew, is there anything that would get you to invest in a gold producer listed here operating in West Africa?
0: If we take away the actual location, any, any company, any company that's operating outside of Australia has sovereign risk. Equally, you look at BHP as an example, they're stepping away from Queensland because of the changes in the royalties uh, here. So whenever you're investing, one of the key things, if it's outside your sort of local jurisdiction, you always have to be mindful of sovereign risk. So that's certainly the case here as well. Um, I look at this particular company, even though it's a half a billion dollar company, it's $1.7 million a day traded. So it's actually pretty thinly traded. Uh, cost of production is pretty low and they're really starting to ramp up production or forecast to ramp up production into the second half of this year. They're only sitting on about 20-odd million, oh, sorry, 24 million US gold and bullion, which is about 36 million Aussie. But importantly now that they're actually starting to make some money, then that should actually increase. So I don't mind it. And, again, obviously it's been a pretty strong performance over the last five years. My concern is around getting set in it. I think it's going to be relatively hard for the size of the company to get set in it uh, so on that basis alone it's probably a hold but it certainly is interesting
1: okay so that's an interesting one it's a hold what do you think henry
0: yeah, um,
2: it, it's a gold company. And the reason the gold is uh, attractive, I guess, uh, in uh, West Africa is it is cheap to get out of the ground, mainly because uh, labor, etc., and all the costs associated is cheap. So that's why the all in sustaining costs are far lower than they would be in Australia. Uh, this one, as Andrew says, it doesn't trade that well for the size of company it is. It is just uh, declared commercial production. They do have a new chief operating Mm -hmm. officer coming as well, who is ex-Endeavor Mining. So that is interesting for them. I think he starts in October. Um, Interestingly, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday that was out at Diggers and Dealers, Mm -hmm. uh, which of course is the big gold I say big gold uh, conference in WA and Kalgoorlie. And he was telling me that the interest in gold miners is absolutely non-existent from the punters. It is non-existent, which I found quite strange. And I did question him on this because Aussie gold is still nearly $3,000 Aussie an ounce. So it's not exactly fallen in a massive hole. Even in US dollars, it's not fallen in a massive hole, but he was saying the interest in Aussie gold stocks mm. is at a at a massive low. The only thing people want to talk about is, guess what, critical minerals, critical metals, lithium, yeah. etc. lithium, copper, nickel. Uh, that is uh, that is the buzz at uh, Kalgoorlie. This one, Cote d'Ivoire, is um, you know everywhere you do something with a mine carries sovereign risk Mm -hmm. because you can't take the mine out of the country. Uh, You can bit by bit, but you can't take it out if there's a problem. And as Andrew says, Queensland has been an issue for some companies on the coal front. I I don't mind this one. They're just in commercial production. As Andrew says, all in sustaining costs is cheap. Uh, They're going to be ramping up production. It is thin. If you were going to buy a West African gold stock, this probably uh, would be on your watch list. Uh, for me, at 49 cents, um, it's probably a hold. Gold has lost its sizzle, as I said, as witnessed by the uh, the delegates in uh, Count Gooley. So it's a hold for me. Uh, but if you really must go to West Africa, then uh, that could be one to look at. Of course, there okay. has been some big success stories in West Africa.
1: All right, I'd like to get your view on the next company on the list because we've got some new information coming from the company to go on. That's James Hardy, J S J H s x i can't say it isaac picked this one um henry why don't you save me from myself what about james hardy
2: i've been trying to save you from yourself for years nadine you know that uh james hardy i i loved this stop back in uh, in february it was my Uh, Big cap winner for the year, and it has proved to be a winner. I thought everyone had got way too down on the American housing market. These guys have put through two price rises for their products. They have got uh, serious stickability in terms of those price rises. Their fiber cement products in the U.S. are uh, pretty much top notch. Their management has been fighting the headwinds and doing a stunningly good job uh for this one uh, despite the the slowing us economy and the slowing housing market i still like this one i was massively i got to say i was massively surprised yesterday a 15% jump on these results not that the results weren't bad just that the market jumped 15 percent and didn't see it coming that's quite extraordinary you know this is not a small company this is a 20 billion dollar company analysts should have been all over this one should have spotted this from a mile away Uh, i think it's due for some consolidation so on that basis we probably need to go a little bit sideways for a while to let things settle but this one's got 50 bucks plus written all over it leveraged the us economy which isn't falling in that hole that people have predicted uh, it's got stickability in terms of the margin increase uh, and i like this one the only thing i have against it is long-time grudge in terms of their asbestos yeah. um, side side of things and the fact they tried to sneak off years ago into domiciling so, in pollen bought- so
1: if it was your big cap winner of the year and i'm just looking at share price performance recently i mean has that moment passed though for james hardy or is there still plenty of upside left
2: uh, well, it's up. You know, it's up 14 bucks yeah. since uh, since I was talking about. It. Exactly. So it, it's been a, it's been pretty good. So you got, I got
1: think the call more... right. But today, would you be call... buying more?
2: Uh, no, not not here. Okay. If, uh, if it was if it was fresh money, I'd certainly uh, be watching and waiting for the consolidation. Uh, it might drift back if we get some market weakness, but I think in six to twelve months' time, this will be over fifty bucks. So you know, just pick your moment when you buy this one. But uh, it's been a great success. I think the easy the easy yards are over fifteen percent okay. yesterday. It was
0: extraordinary.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Andrew, you.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a hold, and Henry has absolutely played it like a Stradivarius. So you know, <laughs> probably be listening to him far more than me. But um, yeah, it, it's it's okay priced. Excuse me, it's okay priced now. Like beforehand, it was cheap. It's now probably fairly priced. So PE of around 21 times relative to the market at 17. Probably my only minor amber flashing light is that that return on equity which was in the 40s is now fallen back into 39 still a really strong return on equity but it is just starting to come off a little bit so i'd just pay a little bit of attention to that but i agree it's a hold 12 months time all other things being equal it will be higher but to sell it now i, I think would be foolish uh given the strong performance the is putting out
1: thank you guys and uh lucky last on the list is a company called um, Alpha HPA. Uh, So the ticker code for this one is A4N. And so it is looking to supply ultra high purity aluminium materials to market. So it's using technology to do so. Um, Look, I don't know a lot about the company. It does have a a production facility of some sort in Gladstone. Um, Are you familiar with this, Andrew?
0: No, um, I'm not. And so uh, Google was my friend, uh, as well as the ASX website, which is my main friend when we come across companies okay. that we don't know, plus a few other uh, areas as well. Um, certainly Orica being a partner with them, and in fact, from memory, Orica owns 5% of the business, is certainly um, promising. The thing, though, that sort of really piqued my interest, in Nadine, is that Regal, RF1, uh, Henry isn't my friend, more Henry's friend, because Henry actually knows him, Phil King, Regal owns 8% of this Regal uh, guys and girls are not silly by any stretch of the imagination. So anything that Regal's interested in, I am therefore interested in uh, certainly playing to that thematic around decarbonisation, um, miniature LEDs, so like smartwatches, all that type of thing. Also in receipt of some money from the federal government as well for manufacturing onshore. And as we know that that sort of onshore manufacturing is a big uh, thing, not only here in Australia, but also globally as well. Um, Noting, however, Nadine, that again, close to a billion dollars, which is great. Uh, but 1.2 million dollars a day traded, which sounds like a lot, but in the context of close to a billion dollar company, is not. So it's just run super hard, super quick. Broker consensus of one. So in other words, it's not really well followed. I'd wait for a bit of heat to come out of this, but you know, if you, without wishing it on people, it got to sort of 70, 80 cents. I'd be interested in having a look, but certainly not at a dollar 11. it's a
1: hole. I was a bit surprised oh, that. that it was at a dollar 11 for its relative size. Henry, you like looking at small caps. What about Alpha HPA?
2: Um, I do. This, this is a billion-dollar company, though, so it's it's surprising how many billion-dollar companies have little interest and little analyst coverage. Um, it is surprising, in this one. It's had a pretty good run from March, I have to say, I'd probably be holding it here. We're waiting for FID, final investment decision. The uh, precursor production facilities kicking off and have got government funding. Uh, I did the Google the same as Andrew did in terms of uh, background and looked through some of their presentations. And clearly they're playing into the whole um, IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, and the, uh, the, the benefits to the US injecting huge amounts of money into reshoring production capacity. And not only in the US, uh, but also ensuring that their mates, i.e. Australia and various other uh, countries that are uh, mates with America, are, are able to access that as well. I, I certainly don't mind it. HPA uh, has been um, a theme at times, uh, and we've seen that with uh, the likes of Alltech, and you, when you see the uh, the crystals being grown, the, the sapphire crystals for watch faces, smartphones, the LED technology, etc., cetera, uh, it is quite interesting in, in that respect. So for me, it's a, it's a hold. Um, it's a billion dollar company why there isn't more coverage I don't know uh, it would be nice if we had a bit more analyst coverage of some of these okay. kind of stocks um, but it has been going sideways pretty much for the last three or four months uh, I suspect that will continue until we get FID approval so you probably need to hold that one um, and uh, they've got a bunch of options expiring which keeps, um, keeps some money rolling in they've got no debt, they've got some cash they probably need more um but it's um it's it's a sideways kind of until the fid
1: yeah okay didn't realize it was a billion dollar market cap either so i will do better research before next time alpha hpa that was for aiden okay quick recap of what we've learned so the msci multi-factor emerging markets etf It's a buy from Andrew, it's a hold from Henry. Let's get to the next ETF, which was the iShares Europe. Bit of spice coming in here. Hold for Andrew, buy for Henry. Tieto Minerals both thought that it was actually pretty interesting. Um, So we'll put a call into the company for the small caps program, but it's a hold from both for now. James Hardy, I mean, they both really like this company, but it's a hold. Wouldn't be adding to it right now. But um, Henry says you, you will be able to in the future. He sees it above the $50 mark. Pick your moment, though. And you just heard what they said about Alpha. HPA, a hold for both. Okay. Uh, Word of the day was sizzle, um, I think. Uh, We didn't really get there with any double buys, but that's okay. Um, We have have many more days ahead of us, likely as you both pointed out, given our history. So thank you, Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory. And thank you, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Nice to see you both.
0: Nice to see you. Nice seeing you both too. Be safe.
1: And thank you for writing in and giving us your requests. Uh, feel free to give us as much info as you like. It kind of changes the discussion sometimes if we already know whether you own it, um, but you don't have to, there's no pressure. Uh, you can do so, ozbiz.co forward slash picks, or you can tweet to us at ozbiz.tv. It's uh, been wonderful to spend the past hour with you. Don't go anywhere, we'll get you across what's happening out in markets next. <laughs>